Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. You know, every so often, I like to do a, a little field research regarding the key and timely issues in the world of youth and, and amateur sports, and I, I thought we'd do that this morning. Now, we all know that sports for kids today have become extraordinarily complicated and complex. And sometimes it's important to take a moment to reflect on where we are. And to that end, I'm always interested in hearing your perspective on what you think is the most pressing issue in the complicated world of sports parenting. And that's that's going to be my question for you this morning. We're going to open the phone lines right away at one 337 6666 to get a sense from you what you think are the real concerns, the major concerns that confront us today when it comes to the next generation of kids playing sports. But to help you get you on this process, help you getting thinking along the right lines, let me just throw out a bunch of topics for you, things that I think about all the time, and then you can call me with your with your thoughts and your perspectives and opinions as well. For example, let's just start with the ongoing friction between coaches and parents. Now, of course, this has been a huge issue for a number of years now, and the question is, why does this exist? How come there's so much friction between parents, particularly parents of kids at the high school level and the high school coaches the kids play for? And what can we finally do, you know, to put an end to this? There was a time not that long ago where there wasn't this kind of this, this agony, this antagonism that took place between coaches and parents. And yet somehow this has become a real mainstay, and it leads to a lot of high school coaches basically deciding to walk away from their profession. Okay, what about the ongoing concerns about concussions? Do you ever think we'll find a solution to really how to prevent these things? Now, will sports like football and ice hockey and lacrosse and all the other contact sports – ever get to a point where they will lose popularity? We've always seen this, of course, with high school football. The numbers are down the last several years. But it's all because of concerns about concussions and the long-term implications. How is this the big issue today? It was a few years ago. Are, are concussions something that we really need to focus on and put a lot of our resources into figuring out a way to, to get around this major medical issue? What about the concerns regarding travel and club teams being not overseen or regulated by any governmental body? That is, mom and dad, you're pretty much on your own if things aren't working out for your son or daughter when they play in a travel team. I mean, there's really nobody you can complain to because you paid your money, it's caveat emptor, and that's the way it goes. Again, I've talked about this for years. There's just no 
governmental oversight of these travel or club teams. They're, they're basically they're just outliers in terms of going out and doing what they want to do. How about the alarming problem that we have when we keep losing more and more refs and, uh, and umpires each year at the high school level? I mean, according to the latest research, uh, Barry Mano, uh, the head of NASA, which is the uh, National Association of Sports Officials, Barry's been on my show a few, several times in the past, the numbers are that something like 70% of all, new, of all new referees and umpires, well, they quit within three years of starting. And why? Well, almost universally, they all point to the unrelenting verbal abuse that they receive from the parents who come to watch the kids' games and they come out with the spectators. 70%. And the numbers keep dropping more and more each year. And the problem is it's hard to find refs and umpires who want to basically work these games. They get paid maybe around $100 per game. But again, it's the abuse they have to endure uh, that, that makes it so much, so difficult for them to keep doing this. Now, what about the fact that obviously, and this you talk to any high school coach uh, or youth coaches, they'll, they'll say that it's so hard for them to have to cope with parental expectations that so many moms and dads, for, for lack of a better term, uh, they have delusions of grandeur about just how talented their kid is as an athlete. And you talk to any high school coach or any athletic uh, director these days anywhere in the country, and they'll tell you that's the first and biggest problem they face on a daily basis. Uh, you know, it, it's just it's getting to the point where, you know, we have to somehow basically sort of tamp down the expectations that parents have for their children as they play sports. Now, the last thing, of course, I want to mention to you is, of course, is it possible in our rush to develop our youngsters into superstars that we have unfortunately and inadvertently squeezed the fun and enjoyment out of their games? You know, I just read the other day where burnout is now being viewed as a legitimate medical term. Uh, you know, burnout didn't exist really a, a generation ago, but it does exist today. And it perhaps in the world of sports, it takes place because we're pushing kids too far, too fast, and they finally get to be in their teenage years and say, enough, I'm walking away from this sport. And, of course, we know that in terms of repetitive use injuries, uh, those numbers continue to climb drastically as well. So let's talk about what you think is the most pressing number one issue in youth sports today. one 337 Of course, the topics I just threw out there, just the uh, proverbial uh, tip of the iceberg. There are lots more. So what do you think? Let's start our conversation this morning with, uh, with Gary over in Colts Neck, New Jersey. Gary, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning. What a great day. We wake up every morning. Thank God. Yes, so, sir. Listen, I, I grew up in the early 70s, you know, uh, played baseball. I have three older brothers. We had such a great childhood. We never talked about, oh, you know what? We got to go here, go there. Everything today is so scheduled. Let the kids be kids. But honestly, I got three boys of my own. Mm-hmm. And I did some coaching. And let me tell you what. The worst ride is the car ride home. You know? The kids don't want to hear the parents say, hey, why did you strike out? Why did you do You know what? Let the kids just be kids. They all think, a lot of them, I should say, think their kid is the next, you know, Derek Jeter. And at the end of the day, you know what? We want to teach failure on the field. Not, you know what, when they go on their first job interview, when they fail, they say, I'm sorry, you're not qualified. How are those kids going to handle the rejection? So that's really... My, my biggest thing is it's okay to fail in sports. I don't want them getting behind a wheel, drinking and driving or doing drugs. It's, it's brutal. This country now we live in, think about it. 
Well, it's Gary, and I, I'm, you touched on a point. I'm glad you called, and thank you for, for checking in this thank morning. You, you bet, time. Gary. And, and, yeah, he's talking about adversity. And one of the so-called intangible life lessons that our kids get from playing sports, and I'm glad Gary brought this up, is the fact that sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but playing sports as a youngster, you're going to go through times of adversity. And if you learn how to cope with adversity and confront it at an early age, that's going to basically pay off down the road because, as Gary points out, you know, we live in a, in a world which is competitive. And, uh, you know, if you don't know how to come back from a setback uh, in life, whether it's a job interview or not getting a promotion or whatever it might be, those roots go all the way back to the lessons you learned when you were a kid playing, playing a sport. Uh, and, and again, those are vital life lessons that our kids take away uh, from sports. And again, sometimes these are not these are painful because you know everybody wants to be a starter or be a, you know have a great day, and sometimes these things don't work out. But those are the kind of things that we make sure our kids understand and cope with. And moms and dads, as Gary said, don't don't, don't do not make the mistake of giving that kid a a post game analysis, a, a PGA. And the way home on the car, let the kids just sit there and just, you know, get through the game. If they had a bad game, let them talk about it. Ask them if they, what, what they thought they did well or what they thought that perhaps they might be able to work on. But let them direct the conversation. If they don't want to talk, that's fine. Just let it go. Simple as that. Let's move on. Let's go to um, let's go to Brendan over in, uh, in Flushing, Queens. Hey, Brendan, good morning. You're on the fan. Uh, good morning, Brendan. Uh, good morning. I uh, love the show. Uh Another issue with uh, with uh, what's wrong with youth sports is uh, officially abused by spectators. Uh, parents think that since they spend a lot of money on the sports officially soccer, they yeah. have a right to berate the official. Now, the problem is there's a big difference because it does affect the kids. Of course. It also affects the officials, and it's a big difference when you're fishing in a game in Yankee Stadium with 50,000 people, and you just hear the moans and groans, and... Also, when you're doing a youth game, you have a parent like two feet in front of you screaming at the official like a lunatic. That's correct. Now, now, you know, we do have officials that are learning the game. But when you get a parent who thinks, I'm sorry, you should be refereeing like an international referee at the World Cup uh, for under 10-year-old game. I mean, mistakes are going to happen as officials. We do make mistakes. But that does not give the right to to have the parent berate the official because I, we are losing officials. <laughs> Like crazy nationwide. Let me, I, let, me, let me stop you there, and I thank you for, for bringing this up, and I appreciate the call. But the fact is, he is absolutely correct. Let me just make this clear to you. If you're not familiar with the, the, the culture of going to a kid's game, it is, it, it, you know, the idea that you can go and verbally abuse the referee, the official, the umpire, because somehow, somewhere, you think you as a parent, as a spectator, you're entitled to do that. You are wrong. You are flat out wrong. You're out of control. That is wrong. Now, of course, in this day and age, if you go to a, a, a major league game and people are in the stands, they figure, well, I spent a fortune for this ticket, and therefore I'm entitled to not only scream and yell and boo and use, a, uh, use profanities. That's not good either. That's just all wrong. Again, there was a time in this country, I remember back in the day, people used to go to games at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> they, wore, they wore suits. They wore jackets and ties. Everybody. That's how it was. It was going to a very special place to watch a ball game. But in this day and age, we've lost all that. I'm telling you right now, 
You do not go to a game and scream and yell at a ref or an umpire. Somehow you feel you have the right to do that. No, you don't. And if an umpire or referee decides to stop the game and eject you for, for verbal abuse, he has the right to do that. So, again, let's make sure we're all on the same page. It is a huge concern, as I mentioned. The number of referees, umpires, officials are dropping off in drastic numbers. All right, let me, let me take a time out here. I'm, we're just getting warmed up on this topic of what's the biggest issue today in sports when it comes to our kids. Uh, Pete McCarthy has your update. When I return, I'll take your calls. one 337 6666 You know, there was a, a time in this country where the only real issue when it came to kids and sports was, quite frankly, the weather outside. And whether we were going to play baseball in the spring and summer or football in the fall or basketball during the course of the winter, there was no parental involvement. The older kids on the playground, uh, they're the ones who chose up the teams, and we set our own field boundaries for things like touch football. There were no such things as travel or club teams, no uniforms, no scoreboards, just kids playing with other kids because, quite frankly, it was fun. We weren't doing this because we wanted to get a, an athletic scholarship. We just were having a good time uh, being kids. Now, I mention that because I mentioned it a lot because I use that as the baseline when looking at all the current issues in amateur sports today. Uh, you know, we, we look as to how we are today as to where we were when we were growing up, and that's the baseline I come from because things, of course, have gotten so, so complicated, and parents have to make decisions about their kids and sports at such at earlier and earlier ages. Okay, let's let's get back to our calls at one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Let's go to uh, let's go out to uh, to Valley Stream. Eric, uh, good morning. You're next up on the fan. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. All right. So I know we were talking about the kids uh, and the parents uh, with the umpires before, but um. I just wanted to get your perspective. Uh, like, how do you feel about a player talking about an umpire, like making a bad call? You mean uh, uh, the actual player talking back to an umpire? Right. So, say an umpire makes a bad call, and players start talking back to them. Well, I mean, <laughs> we 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 all know, of course, Eric, that that umpires uh, do have the ability to, if they feel they're being uh, disrespected or a kid uses any profanity, those are usually immediate grounds for ejection. And, and uh, especially at the high school level, uh, you know, I think the umpires, to a certain extent, they realize they can't, unfortunately, do too much about the, the parents or spectators in the stands. But if a kid mouths off, the kid's gone. That's end of story. And I know that the um, coaches know that. So, I mean, the kids have to understand, you say something wrong, you're going to be ejected. Well, I mean, as a, as a former collegiate baseball player, you know, I respect that umpires are, you know, they they volunteer their time most of the time. They might get paid, whatever it may be case. They are humans, but, you know, in like a close game and they make a really bad call, it's very frustrating. It is, and that's part of the game, Eric. You know that as well. And obviously emotions, uh, you know, heat up in, in a hurry. But, you know, I, I've learned over the years when I was uh, playing, uh, you know, college baseball and coaching college baseball, particularly on heated plays, and the umpires are human too. They know that it's a bang-bang play, that's an important call. I always found that I went out to the umpire in a very sort of calm, collected fashion and try to put a smile on my face. They were more than often uh, glad to talk about the call and what they saw and how that was perceived. They didn't really, they rarely have ever changed their call, but I didn't get ejected very much because I knew that I went out there with a, 
in a fury, I, I was basically going to end up uh, being being kicked out of the game. And the players have to understand that. And that's why, you know, Eric, that's why when a guy starts getting hot in a hurry, one of his teammates or a, a coach will run in between the player and the umpire to try and stop that from happening. I don't know, uh, and Eric, thank you for the call. I don't know if that's something that we're going to be able to correct. That's just human nature. But again, as as a coach, you always have to caution your players to, to, be, to stay in control of their emotions as best as they can because getting ejected does not help them or the team, particularly at the high school level. Most most sports, you get kicked out of a, of a game, you're out of that game, and you're also out for the following game as well. So you, it's a sort of a double whammy in terms of being ejected. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, Port Chester. Brian, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning to you. Um, just a couple of points. I just think it's a vicious cycle all the way around from youth sports up to high school sports. Yeah. Um, I've, I've coached on the, I've coached youth sports and some of the parents who want to live vicariously through their kids think that, um, I had a situation once where, um, when I had taken a kid out because I thought he was concussed yep. and had his father come up to me and actually wanted to, um, yell at me for taking the kid out. Turned the, as it turns out, he was betting on how many touchdowns his kid would score instead of worrying about the kid having a concussion. So I think that's one problem. Then I think on another side, because of so much money and so many things going into sports, especially um, AAU basketball, that uh, that their coaches are sometimes not respecting the kid's talent or they might be really close to a certain player and and think that they have to play one player over another. And and for me, when when I'm probably about your age, when we played sports, we just played for fun. We just played because we loved it. Now it's you know where we get um, the kids are trying to get scholarships, and I understand that. I have a kid that that um, plays Division Three football, but I just think that there's lack of experience and lack of respect on the coaching side too. So it's just this vicious cycle that um, that we just put too much on 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 our on our youth today. Brian, you know you're, you're the theme here. Uh, you're talking about, and thank you, thank you for the call this morning. You're talking about the insertion of money uh, into uh, into amateur sports, and we're talking. You mentioned about, you know, he, wanted, he took a kid out of a out of a out of a football game, and the father was upset because apparently the kid, the father had some sort of wagers as to how many uh, touchdowns the kid was going to score. I mean, that just sounds bizarre and 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 just obviously a, like a nightmare situation. Um, but again, apparently there was some some gambling going on in terms of how how many touchdowns the kid was going to score. As far as the situation with uh, you know travel teams, AAU, that kind of stuff, and we sort of have gotten to this this warped reality where it's more about uh, and we've discussed this in the years past about it's all about the individual stats because it's the kid's stats that's going to get the attention of of college basketball coaches. And, you know, things like being a team player and playing defense, that gets pushed off to the side. Again, that's all about the idea of, of trying to get a scholarship. And if you're a coach on those kind of a club or, or, or travel squ- uh, squads and you're obviously playing a kid uh, more than other kids because you think that might end up with a, some sort of um, financial dividend for that youngster or maybe even for you as the coach, again, that's losing the whole perspective of what amateur sports are all about. These are real concerns these days. We know that. We read about the scandals with, with uh, college basketball coaches and sneaker companies. These are real things. Didn't happen a generation ago, but they are real concerns today. I'm, gl- I'm glad that we had that call. Let's, uh, let's go over to Brooklyn. Courtney, good morning. You're on the fan. 
Uh, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I run a youth football league in uh, New York. We have about uh, you know about maybe about eighty five teams. And uh, one of the things you said this spot on is that we we deal we're dealing with uh, you know uh, not being able to get referees hired, and uh, these guys you know wanting to do it. Big part of the problem is this generation social media. We you know as much as we talk about um, problems. One of the major problems is definitely social media and culture. Our culture has changed. And when kids see uh, adults that are people they look up to um, doing certain things on TV, well, that's what kids are going to emulate. Just like we emulated, you know, guys like Lenny Dawson and Otis Taylor back in the uh, in the 70s, mm-hmm. my age, you know, you know. So kids do the same thing that we do, that we did as kids. But the problem is, it, it has to be regulated. And I think one of the problems in even New York City, we have a big problem on football, but I think you have to have a regulation board because you need to have sports. If you're going to be a person that manages sports, it needs to be regulated maybe by the city or state. need to come up with some kind of a board where you have coaches that have to get signed in because what's happening is everybody's doing whatever they want to do and there's no regulation. That's one of the well, big problems because – I would say, Cordy, I think you make a valid point, and that's something that I'm glad you you'd mentioned uh, in terms of, like you say, having some sort of oversight, regulation, social media. What I think you're talking about, uh, which I think is very, very right on topic, and thank you for the call this morning, we're talking here about a loss of civility. And maybe this gets, this is the, maybe this is the root topic, that somehow we have migrated away from a sense of civility uh, in terms of how we behave at our kids' games, that I mentioned early on about the fact that there's so many problems with retaining referees uh, and and uh, umpires because they leave because of the the onslaught of uh, abuse from spectators and parents at at kids' games. We're talking about the situation in terms of uh, you know parents are out of control uh, that some of they feel entitled to just you know go nuts on the refs and umpires. Again, the social media stuff. How come that's so? How come social media is so out of control where we can post whatever we want online because our kids watch us do this and they're thinking, well, there's no need to to think twice. We're just basically in a world now where there's no sense of civil behavior. We can just voice our our, our emotions and taunt people and do what we want because somehow we feel we're entitled to do that. Maybe that's the biggest issue that we're listening out in sports today with our kids. And again, they watch us. They learn how to behave in sports by watching the parents. So that's maybe that's the topic you were talking about, and I thank Courtney for that call. Let's, uh, let's move on. Let's go to uh, Kevin over in Hillsdale. Kevin, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning. How are you? Good, Kevin. Good. You, uh, you opened up this segment earlier about uh, saying how, you know, when you were a kid, kids were just being kids. They chose their own boundaries, chose their own teams, and there was really no parental involvement. Right. Um, I'm a fifth-grade fifth teacher. I have two kids. I have my two-year-old with me in, in the back of the car right now. I, I, I joke. He's a big kid. I joke that he's going to be my, uh, my scholarship kid. Mm-hmm. And, and mainly, mainly college tuition uh, is, is skyrocketing. Do you think parents are pushing their kids more and more to play baseball year-round, to do all these other uh, sports programs year-round, hoping they get a scholarship to ease the burden on the uh, college tuition, which I know is a, a whole separate conversation, but just maybe it's a subconscious thing going on. Kevin, I, I think it's certainly a part of the conversation. The way I perceive this 
is, look, if you talk to a youngster like, you know, your, your two kids, and they say, hey, how would you, uh, you really love playing baseball? And they say, yeah, I love it, Dad. Okay, well, you know, rather than just play it in the spring and maybe a little bit uh, in the summer, um, how would you like it if you played baseball, I don't know, all year round? And it's, to me, it's sort of, I mean, the kids are going to love it. And it's like saying to a kid, hey, how would you like to go to a candy store and, and eat candy all day all year round? Yeah, let's do it. Sounds great. But at some point, you know, that's not going to make sense. Uh, it's just not going to work. Uh, and I do think deep down inside, the parent saying, well, if my kid really does show some ability as a ball player, uh, then maybe by giving them a chance to play all year round, uh, that's going to get them to the level where they would get a, a college scholarship for playing baseball. So I think it's all part of the process, Kevin. Uh, but again, I think at some point, parents have to take a step back. And as I say, somebody has to be the adult here. The same way you wouldn't want your kid to play, uh, you know, spend all their time in a candy store all year round. You wouldn't want them to just basically play one sport all year round and uh, in the hope and pray that they're going to get a college baseball scholarship. It's just, it doesn't make sense. They're better off spending time in the classroom getting good grades because they have more opportunity to go to college on, on an academic scholarship than they do on an athletic scholarship. So, again... It's tempting, I get that, but somebody's in. Somebody's got to play the role of the adult and and the grown up here, uh, because I think that's that's the ultimate lesson. Kevin, thank you for the call. Uh, you know, and that's these are all great issues we're talking about this morning. The fact about you know, I, you know, it, it's tempting to let think that your kid's going to be that special one who is going to grow up to be a superstar and get a full scholarship for sports. But you know, if that happens happens very very rarely. We know that, but again, that's all part of I think of. We're talking about with parental expectations, and a lot of parents buy into this. They really, you know, we know they drink the Kool-Aid and say, my kid is that special one, even though we know, we talk all the time, that it's just not going to happen. The odds are stacked against you and your kid. And as a consequence, many times, most parents, many parents will go and expect their high school coaches or their kids to embrace the fact that my kid is that special one, and how come my, my kid's not playing you know, not a starter, or my kid's not an all-star, or my kid's not this and that, makes it very tough not only on the, the coaches, but also, of course, on the refs and officials who work the kids' games. That's what we're talking about this morning. I, I just, again, there are so many issues, so many topics here. This is why, you know, this the show over the years remains, uh, you know, popular because people want to talk about these things. All right, let me, let me take a timeout. When I return, I will go right back to your calls. A lot of ground to cover. one 337 6666 And let me just uh, follow up. Uh, as you said, uh, Ed Randall, of course, is here at 9 o'clock. And let me just say this about Ed. You know, he deserves a lot of credit for being one of the very first to, to sound the alarm, and he did this a few years ago, about how Major League Baseball and minor league teams really need to put up safety netting at the games. I mean, we really have to be grateful to Ed and all the others for forcing teams to do this because now with the most recent incident involving a little girl being hit by a line drive foul ball, we can only hope that uh, the major league teams will put up even more netting and they'll do this right away. So uh, a tip of the hat to, to our friend and colleague, Ed Randall. I mean, after all, these are accidents that can be prevented. Um, Okay, also to remind you, as always, you can go to my website and my blog where we talk about these various issues we discuss on the Sports Edge. Go to askcoachwolf.com. Uh, if you're interested in lining me up to do a speaking presentation in your town or to your, your sports leagues, again, just go to askcoachwolf.com. We're talking this morning about field work. 
involving the most pressing issue in sports parenting today at one 337 6666 Let's go to our friend Coach Tom over in North Arlington. Tom, good morning. I'm curious to get your thoughts about what you think is the biggest issue today. Good morning, Rick. Well, uh, obviously, as as pre-discussed before with us, uh, you know, the the difference between coaches and parents, there always seems to be that antagonistic uh, view. Yep. And you you know what? I, I mean... I, the first thing I think it was obviously there's more parents that are totally involved and go to all their games. I'm speaking from a high school level. Mm-hmm. When I when I was younger, I mean there were plenty of kids would go home by themselves, and you know what I'm saying. I think they're so that's number one. The second thing, from a coach's standpoint, I said to myself when I was younger and and first started coaching, I'm like, well, why was this not as much a problem back then? And and. Uh, always thinking, well, it's because the parents have changed. You know what? Looking back at it, and then later on in my career, I finally decided that I had changed too. It's it's like when I first got involved, me cutting a kid or making a tough decision, it sort of kind of bothered me as well. You know, then and it's almost like I'm not saying everybody does. You you almost get numb to it uh-huh. to the point where when you're making the decision, you take less into the feelings. Like when you have to discuss it with a parent or something else, and I had to actually get back to that when I was started coaching for like ten, twelve years, and say, wait a minute, I have to understand here. Number one, every almost every parent that's going through this, this is a brand new experience for them. Okay, whereas to me it wasn't. So that that puts us at odds right off because now I'm less feeling toward it, whether I'm doing it on purpose or not. Okay, and the other thing is, you know, this is just a problem for me. I have one of how many kids where i got to deal with this, where as each parent I had to say, wait a minute, this is their only problem. This is their whole world. Sure. And once I sort of put, them in, put myself into that, it was like I came at it from, not that I'm going to side with the parent or, or excuse them for doing what they do, but it's like, hey, this is why I did that. You know, I, instead of saying, you know, your kid didn't show up for this, blah, blah, I'd be like, wait a minute. Can you, if you can give me a way that I can not punish your kids and reward all the other kids that did what they were supposed to, can you please explain that to me? And and generally, when I start, came at it from a different point of view, uh, people sort of like, all right, maybe you're seeing it now from my point of view. And to me, as long as I, I, I put myself in that point, it didn't always work, obviously, because you're going to have people who are just out of control. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it, it gave me a better perspective, and I was able to deal with it better. You know, that's an interesting perspective, uh, Tom. Thank you, as always, uh, for your thank insight. You. you bet. Thank and, you. Uh, but, you know, Tom's talking about just basically trying to eliminate the this friction that builds up uh, between parents and coaches. Tom, Tom's suggestion is that, well, maybe the time has come where we really have a situation where parents and coaches – you know, come together and talk about their various issues and the perspectives that they bring to their to from the parents' side to their kids and what they're looking at in terms of their kids and that's and expectations and from the coaches the coaches the pressures that are put upon them. You know, that's not a bad idea. And where the kids aren't even involved in this, there's not a situation where the kids come and sit in. It's just the the moms and dads, the parents and the coaches talk about these issues. So there's a greater understanding and perhaps a greater sense of uh, empathy and appreciation for all the pressures that are involved. I think that's that's a very very solid suggestion. Uh, let's go to um, let's go next to uh, let's go to Max in Port Washington. Max, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning, Rick. Um, in, in the '80s, I was an all-city basketball player, and I played in a, a lot of tournaments. So I was playing in Rucker, 
and the referee made a call in a, in a playoff game. Referee made a call as he's running up the sideline. A fan spectator cold cocked him, actually punched him, <laughs> knocked three of his teeth out, gave him a concussion, and actually the game was canceled. And the rest of the playoffs were done by um, referee by off-duty police officers. Max, when, when did this take place? What year? This was in the in the early eighties. Jeez, I mean, even today, if you go to, to a Rucker game. It seems half the spectators are police officers in uniforms because a lot of the referees are off-duty police officers because there's been so much of referees being attacked by spectators, not even parents, just players, uh, spectators who don't like calls. Max, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's uh, that's obviously an extreme example, and um, we, I mean, again, back in the '80s, but we like to think that perhaps we've have evolved more since then. But I can assure you. Uh, you can just on any given day uh, go online and you can uh, go to YouTube or or Google, you know, uh, spectators or parents attacking referees. It's everywhere, and it just continues right. on slot on It's just it's ridiculous. Even now, especially in New York in summer basketball games, it's hard to get referees now. No, so a lot of referees are off-duty police officers. It's it's, 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 it's crazy. It, uh, yeah, and that's. That's that's unfortunately the state of the art today. Hey Max, thank you for that. I appreciate it. You You're know, welcome. you bet. And and you know, yeah. I mean, again, going back to the baseline, back in the day when kids were playing basketball, you know, uh, in the summertime pickup games, there were no officials. It, it just didn't happen. Nowadays, in a record tournament, you know, a very prestigious basketball tournament, we have to have a, you know re- police officers to work the games. Come on, really, this is getting nuts. Let's hear from uh, our friend Jack Smithlin over in Farallon. Jack, good morning. What do you think? What's what's the pressing topic? <laughs> depressing topic. Wow. You know, or you should say depressing topic. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna quote the master here, and I'm gonna say I think the major topic is things are changing, and it might not be for the best. Okay. And you know, you talk about us as old school players and everything. I'm gonna refer back to Kevin. All right, Kevin got on and asked the question, and then he kind of, I don't know if he contradicted himself or not, but he talked about his two-year-old already being his scholarship player. He thinks he's going to be his scholarship player. So do you think that Kevin's not going to do everything in his power if he believes that to, to push this kid through in sports? Hopefully he, he would not. One of the topics that I think is the most important, in my opinion, and is that Parents, don't push your kids to stardom when they don't want to be stars, all right? Let them play. Let them have fun. Understand. Teach them about not how important they think the stats are and the final results are, but talk to them and be concerned with the results that get them there, you know, the work ethics, teaching them to be accountable for what their actions are. We talked about this very often, Rick, and a lot of the times, you know, we back our kids because we think our kids are right, but our kids don't take the, the you know, the results or the consequences the parents do. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a cruel world out there, like one of your callers said before, and it's, you know what, we're not having fun. You know, one of the things I ask most of my kids that come in and hit with me, especially the young ones, you know, when the older ones come to me later in their careers, you know, and they're trying to fix something here and there, I know that they're there because they love it, because they want to be there, because they have a goal. Mm-hmm. But the younger ones, 
you know what? You said this in your book, and you know what? You don't ever you refer back to your to your askcoachrick.com, but refer to your book because your book is so information. Right? There's so much information in that book that people should read that book. And it's, you know, like I said to you before, and I know that you know this, it's my Bible now. It, it really is. And it helps me through learning how to deal with, you know, adversity, learning how to deal with parents, you know, and it's something that we should be learning every single day. So I'm going to say the biggest topic today in, you know, sports parenting are the changes that have happened. Yeah. You have to deal with them. You know, it's great topic, Rick. Just a super topic. Jack, thank really. you, thank you, and I, I agree with you. And that's an interesting, uh, uh, you know, interesting insight as well, Jack. And we'll talk soon. You know, the thing is that Jack's talking about. Yeah, the changes. There are so many changes coming down in such a hurry that if you have a youngster who wants to play sports today, and you are a hardcore sports fan, and you played sports as a kid yourself, suddenly you are being confronted with all these questions, all these decisions regarding your youngster, your son, or your daughter. You know, do they play just one sport? And if so, what age? Do they go on a, on a travel team? Is that the right way? What is the right travel team? What's the best high school program? What sport should they play? How do I deal with the kid? He's not having a, he's not really living up to so-called expectations. Remember this too, parents. Kids today, as Jack was saying, you know, when they're young, they're just looking for parental approval. But as they get older, you can get a sense whether or not they're really into that sport. But sometimes kids, you know, to, to protect uh, their relationship with you as their mom or dad, they may not always tell you the truth about how things are going in practice because you're not going to beat every practice at, let's say, the high school level. So they may come home and you ask them how to go at practice day, whatever. They're going to tell you what you want to hear. It may not, it may be partially true, but they said, yeah, I did this and did that and so on and so forth, but they don't tell you that they also screwed up or the coach yelled at them or somebody else is going to play ahead of them on the team. They're going to basically give you selective answers to make you feel good. And, and again, I understand that from the perspective of the youngster. They're trying to make the parent feel proud, and it's not going to lead to any more uh, down, you know, discussions as to what's wrong with this coach, what's wrong with the team, and so on and so forth. So understand, too, that as things change and things get complicated, you got to understand, moms and dads, that, that your, your kids may tell you only what you want to hear because that makes them look good in terms of the expectations that you have for them. Again, it's a very, very slippery slope, but something we have to deal with today. All right, let me, let me take another time out. When I return, I'll have more for you. Stay with me. Big Wolf on Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM. The Fan, WFAN. So this is one of those topics, and I realize I, it's open-ended today, and I wish I had more time to take uh, to answer all the calls uh, that came in this morning. But the ones that did, were able to get to, they were terrific. Uh, and what's the overall biggest concern when it comes to amateur and youth sports today? Well, quite frankly, that there are so many uh, topics and issues that are out there, and it's so different from what it was a generation ago, whether it's you know, dealing with all the, the, the referees and umpires, dealing with verbal abuse from spectators and most likely parents, uh, dealing with parental expectations of their kids in sports and how that permeates down to the high school coaches and the friction therein. Uh, maybe the time has come for really having these get-togethers with coaches 
and parents to talk about these issues that obviously involve the, the kids who play sports. Talking about uh, everything from the fact that there's too many changes to keep up with all this stuff, that the, the avalanche of expectations with kids today in sports is just becoming overwhelming. And, of course, the last thing, whether our kids actually are having fun playing sports as they did perhaps uh, a generation ago. It's a lot of stuff to cover. And, again, my thanks for your for your great insights and calls. That's going to do it for me and this edition of the Sports Edge today. My thanks this morning to Ed Arzuman. Stick around for Ed Randall. He's up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.